You know, I could just let this music play and eat the rest of this French toast bagel. And I'll get back to you in about 20 minutes. <laughs> I've never had this bagel. This is good. Maddie, you did good. This thing is fabulous. Looks what? like the, looks like the fam's going to take me out to dinner later on tonight when my daughter gets done with her activities today. So it could be a good day for Pedro, considering uh, my birthday's not till tomorrow. But I'm going to be in beautiful Hamilton, New York tomorrow. Uh, usually this time of year, it's gray and dingy, snowy. It's actually going to be like in the upper 50s. So uh, they, it, they must have known it was going to be my birthday, and uh, Mother Nature is going to cooperate with that uh, as well. Talking Taylor Heineke here in Touchdown at 10. Jeremy Fowler reporting that it looks like it's going to be Heineke getting the start. Sam Howell likely to get some snaps. Uh, by the way, Damar Hamlin, if you missed the trending 15 minutes ago, there is improvement and some hope here because now instead of being 100% on the ventilator, he's 50% on the ventilator now. Uh, they rolled him over yesterday, uh, put him on his stomach so they could uh, do some things, get his lungs uh, cleared out and things of that nature. So it's slow process, but whatever it takes uh, to get DeMar Hamlin back uh, to health, uh, I think the family certainly going to be taking these little battles and these little positive notes um, and and certainly gaining more hope uh, for a recovery for DeMar Hamlin and, of course, uh, the rest of his teammates uh, as well. Certainly hurting in these uh, proceedings as well. Washington takes on Dallas 425 Sunday afternoon. It's going to be Taylor Heineke. And Ron coaching the game, Chris, like a guy that almost like he knows he's going to be here, confident he's going to be here. Because I don't think Ron, I don't think Ron cares whether he picks 10th, 15th, 16th, or whatever, because he has faith in everything he's doing. That, they, that, that group over there, there is an athletic arrogance about what they're doing. Uh, you, can't, you, can't, you, you can't doubt that for one minute. They've got a lot of confidence in what they do. Just listen to them talk about it. So I think, I think in a sense, we may be overplaying the fact that you know there's a difference between picking 10 or 15, 16, 14, whatever, uh, if they win this game. But that group, Chris, all you have to do is listen to them talk. They're confident in themselves. So I don't think it matters to them, and that's why he's going uh, with Heineke at least to start uh, this coming week because he feels an obligation to not only himself but the team to, to put the best lineup out there and try and win the game. I mean, again, clearly – there's two parts of this. One, Heineke, the best option. Two, Sam Howell's not ready. Allegedly. Allegedly. And that's what Logan Paulson believes. That's what Logan Paulson has heard. Again, that's one voice, but that is a very prominent voice. Well, it comes There's from, two parts of this. It, it comes from talking to people with intimate knowledge of the situation as we would write. And watching practice. Mm -hmm. Again, I, I, I don't want to overstate this. He's in the building. He has access that we do not right. have to practice. Today. He's like Finley. Finley. Finley gets access to people. He has more yeah. access than Finley oh, I'm, I'm, in, in terms of in terms of practice. I know he can tell whatever limited rep Sam Howell got as the backup quarterback for what is it nine weeks or whatever it was. He can tell if a quarterback is overmatched, is not ready, and for all of you people that sit there and scream and say, "Well, because he played well in the preseason." He should be ready to go in the guys. Completely different listen, animal. it is 
a completely different world. Yeah. A completely different world when you are playing Micah Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence, and the Dallas Cowboys who are going for the number one seed and the NFC East in week 18 of the season, and you haven't played in, again, you haven't played in 20 weeks. The Baltimore preseason game was like August 28th. It's now January 4th. You have not played in September, October, November, December. To me, I'll it would just be kind this. of unfair. It would be, yes. To me, it would be kind of unfair to start him because you're putting him in a – look, if he, if he somehow catches lightning in a bottle and does great with a limited game plan, great. But you're also putting him in a, in a situation where he could significantly fail, just like we saw Nate Sudfeld get thrown into that game a couple of years ago. Look at what's happened to Malik Willis this year. Malik Willis has looked so bad already that the Tennessee Titans in a winner-take-all game are starting Josh Dobbs this week. He's been with them for two weeks, Chris. Yeah. Two weeks. Yeah. And they're starting him in a winner-take-all game because that's how bad Malik Willis has been in the games that they've put him in. And there were people that thought Malik Willis should be drafted ahead of Kenny Pickett. And, and look at the difference in the two players well, so far again, as pros. We have to remember this. All of these draft Knicks, all of these draft insiders, all of these draft analysts, they see things the way they want to see things. They believe things that they get told like they would never get told a lie or a stretch or a mistruth by an agent or somebody who stands to benefit. Well, think about it. Agents again, always going to tell you their player's great. Of course. So – and coaches sometimes will tell you the truth and sometimes will not tell you the truth depending on who you well, are and what you your relationship what, uh, is. To your point, right. But there was a time where, again, we had a lot more, if you will, hands-on access to coaches, assistant coaches, personnel people. There was a time when you could actually talk to those people on the side, just a one-on-one -on -one conversation, you know, and, and, and you developed a trust you know, with those people and the opinions that they shared with you and things of that nature. There's a couple of people around the league that we both have that we talk to when it comes to issues of coaching, personnel, you know, what they think of college players. We've got people like that, and because we don't use their name and we don't expose them, you know, we've been able to cultivate trustworthy relationships, which helps us do our jobs. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, that's... I just, again, the difference is something like if he goes out and looks like Malik Willis or other young quarterbacks that have failed in the past in situations like this, you know, he's putting stuff on tape for Ron and Scott. If Ron and Scott are here, you know, caring for the groceries in the kitchen again next year, that would probably make them think twice, three times about, oh, maybe we do need to go trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. Maybe we do need to go trade for Derek Carr. And I'm not sure anybody in DC wants to do that. I think they would I think they would give Ron a reprieve if if he went with Hal and said, look, we're gonna grow with Sam Hal. We're gonna give him a, right. a chance to grow. Right. I think your fan base would be more in line with that yes. because it shows you yes. saying, look, we're gonna take a young player and we're gonna develop and him. we're gonna try and develop him. Now the problem is is if you're wrong in that in that you set faith, your franchise back you multiple set your years. franchise back. But but you just set your franchise back. By bringing in Carson Wentz, you did. I'm sorry, you did. You cost yourself yeah. two third-round picks, $28 million, and it was a disaster. Yep. I mean, so, like. Or, or did he, or did Dan well, set himself I mean, back. I'm sure that will be a, a narrative that Ron will toss out there 
even though he did everything he could to fight that narrative this year, because Ron changes his message and his tune like he changes his underwear, hopefully. Yeah, but sometimes uh, you have to. S- situation dictates know, you got to change the message. I know. Ron's number one job is to lose this game. <laughs> he will not admit that. He will not face that reality. His number one job, it hurts the commanders if they win this game. I can see it I now. don't care about the stupid rivalry, guys. I, I don't care about stupid Dallas fourth week. Quarter, fourth quarter, 28-27 Dallas, 16 seconds left. Ron gets on the headset. Scott, call the worst two-point play you have in your file. But that shouldn't be that hard to find. <laughs> tell Taylor, Shovel pitch toss tell with Taylor, smoke and mirrors. Tell Taylor in the headset before the 15-second mark, whatever you do, throw this ball six rows in the stands. <laughs> we need Happy to pick ten. Yeah. I, I mean, this this franchise is still such an absolute tire fire in every way. I mean, they have literally not found the starting quarterback outside the three years they stepped in poop, and again, this came out smelling like roses with Kirk Cousins, and they screwed that up seventeen ways to Sunday. But the only chance they had to do that, quite frankly, based on who was available, was the Chase Young draft. They could have gone Herbert or Tua, then, right? Yeah, yeah. You could have gone Herbert I, I, I or Tua. Mean, I mean, listen, as it turns out. Even though most draft Knicks that year had the top three, and, and most almost everybody you talked to, your top three players in almost every situation were Burrow, Chase, and Akuda. Yes, and, and that's the way the board fell. A lot of the boards had, uh, nobody had boards that had right. Herbert or Tua that And they were high. wrong on Akuda, and right now, the jury is very much out on Chase Young. I don't care how good he looked and spry he looked in one game in San Francisco. Well, he's got to play more. I, mean, I know. That, that's, I know yeah, I'm just I mean, saying. That, right. But the jury is very no, much I, out. I think that's fair. I mean, number one seems like an absolute stud. But, One's but, a stud. Three has struggled a little bit. But I got to be honest with you. I, Five and six have been good. I thought the reason why I wanted nothing to do with Tua was because I thought he was very injury prone at Alabama, and I thought he would be in the NFL. It's proven to be the case. So and ultimately, far. it's proven a little bit differently than I thought. But yes, I mean, this year has turned, and and as a result, the Dolphins are not going to make the playoffs. And they, much like the Commanders, they had golden opportunity to control their own destiny, and they just, between injuries and shortcomings, they just couldn't get out of their own way. They're not going to make the playoffs because of that. Neither are the Commanders, as we know. Um, but but here's the, the the guy I was sleeping on, absolutely. Now, we weren't doing the show at the time, so I'm sure we would have batted heads on this. I didn't love what I saw to Justin Herbert in his final year, but I'm not a scout. I didn't watch... Eight games of Justin Herbert, every throw, all of the mechanics. I'm not a scout. I just didn't love what, but but it's I. It was grab T-shirt and I were up watching those I know late you Saturday were. night or I know games. you were, and I was wrong. <laughs> I was wrong. I was wrong. I was wrong. I was wrong. I wasn't necessarily wrong on Tua. With Tua, it wasn't well, a talent well, but you issue. Know what, though? Well, well, Herbert, I just didn't think okay. would be as good as he is. I well, thought he would be good at times. I just didn't think he would be as good as he is. But think about this though. They ended up. They both end up. They've ended up now with with situations where, you know, Herbert comes in right away throwing to Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler in the backfield. He walked into a pretty good situation to to be a quarterback. I mean, if you put a quarter, any young quarterback in this, like you put a young quarterback here and you say, look, you've got Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel, yeah. Deami Brown, Cam Sims. I mean, you that that as much as anything helped Herbert, the fact that he had – 
terrific players. And remember, he missed Keenan Allen for a good yes. portion of that because Keenan Allen's right. been banged up a lot the last couple of years. Before we get to the calls, aren't you just then making an argument for why they should get rid of Wentz, which they will, allow Taylor to leave unless he has no better offers, and and build yourself around Howell? Your point, now Howell is not Herbert in terms of size. Right. But Howell has a a, Howell, make, Howell look, has a good Sam's, strong arm and he has great mobility right. and he's shown a he's shown a an an ability to escape pressure. The one thing I worry about and maybe I'm wrong on this is is he getting as much pressure as he has at North Carolina in his final year and even in training camp and even in the preseason and maybe even in practice is he doing that because he's not seeing stuff that coaches think he should see. Right, and and, and again, the only way you really know that is to play. Yeah. And I, I, I'm with you, but I will say this. I thought my respect for Sam Howe went up, believe it or not, the year after he had the massive year with uh, Diami and Carter right. and all those weapons at North Carolina because he sold out running a ton because his offensive line was horrible. His offensive line was terrible. Well, why didn't the NFL view him that way, as you did? Because the NFL looked at him as a six-foot, six-foot-and-a-half-inch quarterback. Is that the only ding against him, though, in your eyes? Look, I mean, you've talked to scouts before. I know that's what I'm saying. There's got to be to scouts before. There's got to be something else. Well, the system that he was in. I mean, the system that he was in was constantly, you know, vertically throwing the ball down the field. Yeah. Um, but that's not know. necessarily a bad thing. Or, right. But, or but I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe they see him in practice airmailing. Yeah. Uh, you know. Well, that's running what backs out in the flat. Right. But that's what I'm saying. It at their is, feet like Carson Wentz is. That's what I'm saying. Is there more than just his height? And I, I have to believe there is. There's got to be some sort of processing or not seeing things or what have you that coaches only can see. Yeah, I mean, maybe they brought him in on the whiteboard and didn't like what, you know, how, maybe struggled in those situations. I mean, we, we obviously you're not in on the NFL interview process of the players. Uh, that's, you know, that's stuff that only they have, and they're never going to tell you publicly um, if a guy does have some shortcomings. But, again, fifth-round pick, I think there's great value there. Uh, let's see what he's got. But you're right. I mean, the one thing he has uh, that he cannot, you know, overcome is the fact that he's not that tall. So, and again, for every Drew Brees, there's a Taylor Heineke. So, we'll see. Let's go to the phones. Lines are lit. Let's go. Lock it up right now for the rest of the program. All eight lines are lit. As we get through the calls, you, if you're trying to get in, you're getting a busy signal. It's not your phone. It's because every line we have is lit. Let's start at the bottom here. Let's go to line eight. Let's get Sabah in here. Ladies first. What's up, Sabah? Hey there, uh, Mary. Oh, not Merry Christmas. Happy birthday, Pete. Thank and uh, it's just uh, thank you for uh, letting me uh, chat in because after that uh, abuse I got from Kevin, he talked openly about trying to make a point that Heineke should have started the Cleveland game. That was the game, okay? That was the game that keeps us in the playoffs, and now it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter who starts next game because it's, it's over because of that one decision Ron made. And now it's all coming out that the players were against them. So I'm very frustrated about that. I don't care about conspiracy this, conspiracy that. I'm not a dumb dumb for thinking Heineke gives us the best chance to win, and neither are the fans who are chanting Heineke. We're not stupid. We have an opinion, and we have a right to voice it. So I just want to make sure that everybody's clear on that, and I'm not going to dispute someone else. If you have a different opinion than I do, that doesn't make you stupid or dumb. We just disagree, but we can still respect each other while we're doing it. And that's why I like you guys so much, and I think I'm done with that morning show guy. So 
that's what I have to say on that. And then can I quickly chime in about um, uh, the player that went down? I forget it, DeMar. DeMar yeah. Hamlin, yeah. You know, yeah, I was on the way home from my, my girls' basketball game, and she did not have a good game. And we were all like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, she just didn't shoot, whatever. And then I saw this live, you know, we're watching it on the way home. And immediately you knew it was a cardiac event. And then you're like, nothing matters, guys. Why are we complaining about what, like, your kid does in a game or who starts a quarterback and all that kind of stuff? This guy is fighting for his life, and it put everything in perspective. All the shouting, the yelling, we all do. This guy is struggling, and it's going to be um, really interesting uh, to see what happens with him. But if anybody can make it, a, a young, healthy as healthy as you can be, 24-year-old and tip-top shape guy is the one to come out of this. So if anybody can do it, he's the one. So I'm praying for him and praying for his family. So I just want to make sure I get that out there, that we all need to keep things in perspective, which you guys did a great job the other day talking about it. I was just so busy I couldn't call in. But I just want to give you all a shout-out about that. Appreciate it, Sabah. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Um, yeah, I mean, it does. You're right. I mean, it does put it into a bit of a reality. I mean, uh, in Buffalo this week, they're they're – they're not talking about chasing the number one seed right now. They're talking about supporting number three and their teammate uh, right now uh, in Buffalo. It's going to line one. Derek's in Capitol Heights. What's up, Derek? Uh, good morning, gentlemen. Um, how ironic she was the first call because I started to say initially, Sabah's head is going to explode when she finds out Taylor Haneke is <laughs> back as the star. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Um, I want to put a different spin on why people are comparing what Howe did to in the uh, preseason up until now. Because this is the way that I was looking at it. Yes, it's been 20 weeks since he's played, but that should have been 20 weeks of development. So I think in our minds, he should have some development where he's far long enough to at least look like a quarterback. In the league, and I know he's going up against Micah Parsons and things of that nature. I think that's where people were coming from. They're not comparing a preseason game with an actual regular season game and a game because the game plans are totally different, as you said. What do you all think about that? Well, I mean, again, my my concern is if you put Howell in there and it goes off the rails. You know, then there's this perception even further that Ron and them botched another draft pick, have done nothing to help develop that guy, putting him in a no-win situation against a very good pass rush. Uh, so if it goes off the rails, that, that your initial perception of Sam Howell is, oh, he can't play. And if you play Heineke, I mean, look, if you play Heineke and Taylor Ball's out this week, there's no doubt, Chris, that the, the, the cat calls are going to be even louder for what Ron did going into the Cleveland game by not playing Heineke. So, I mean, I'm not sure either quarterback is in any kind of a win-win scenario if you played them this week. I mean, because well, think about it. If Hal plays, what what percentage chance do you give him to win the game? Well, if he pl- how Ten? about How about if he plays well and they still lose because they're not as good that's as fine. the Dallas Cowboys? No, that's fine. I mean, that's the, best case, that's the best case scenario, right. right? Now, some people would then turn around and say, oh, we've got our quarterback of the future based on one court, one game. No, no, no. No, it doesn't work that way. Well, I mean, they've said that about Heineke during the course of this season. Right, but, this but again, is our I, again peop, we've people, seen glimpses of that. Again, people make snap judgments. Now, Heineke, you can at least say, okay, you got a 25-game sample size. 
You know what he is. You know his flaws. Mm-hmm. You know his pluses. You know his minuses. You know what he is. Taylor Heineke is what he is. He is. He has not been held back by the coaching staff. He is not a 17-game high-quality starter. That's not what he is. He is a start. He is a fringe starting quarterback who is capable of starting games and winning games. He is capable of starting games and not playing well and having his team win around him. He is capable of starting games and losing games. That's what he is. That's what he'll be. And that's where he'll, what he'll be in any system, anywhere, at any paycheck, at any pay rate, with any incentive, with any contract. That's what he is. We don't know what Sam Howell is yet. But if Sam Howell were to start this week and play balls to the wall against the Cowboys and say they win or lose a tight one or whatever, you shouldn't go, oh, my God, Sam Howell's the greatest. Oh, my God, Sam Howell's number one, QB1. Right, but you know what, though? You, Ron you and them fear. I bet you Ron and them fear that if he does play well, everybody's well, going to say, why weren't you playing him the whole fearing, time? Okay, stop fearing what the fans and the media are saying. Start paying attention what franchise, to – What franchise – Start paying attention to common sense. What franchise cares more about how they're perceived in the public uh, than this one? I mean – I mean, No one. I, I mean, i got to be honest no with you. There's no franchise right now that chases yeah. being held high in the eyes of their fans than this one right now. I like Ron personally. I don't want him listening to this show. I don't want him reading what I say on Twitter. No, we we, we need every listener. If Ron gets gets one of those little things to clip on in his car or whatever, we we need Ron to do that. Good point. We could blow Look, we want to have a great relationship with Ron because if uh, if Ron – look, if Ron – Ron's a good guy. There's – you – look, we've had enough bad people around here. No, no. You well, want a good guy in control of your football operation. You. He, That's he, why you root for them to try and get it right. He's a good guy. He's an, a mediocre executive and coach. That's what he is. I mean, results say that. I mean, I, I got some questions for you. When results we come are what they are. I mean, that's the that and, and and in all honesty, that is as much as you want to root for Ron. Mm-hmm. Scott Turner's a good guy. You want to root for Scott. But results are what they are, and it's a result. Coaching is a results-oriented business. It's about W's and L's, man. It's about W's and L's. You get more W's than L's, you get to stick around. You get more L's and W's, you're usually shown the door. 301-230-0980. More of your calls next. Touchdown at 10 continues right here. Daily 9 to 12 in the 10 o'clock hour right here on the Team 980. Streaming live for free on the Odyssey app. All right, Ron and company are going for it this weekend. We're going to beat those dastardly Dallas Cowboys. Ron taking a professional approach, professional obligation to win every game. Players want to compete. Cleveland did that this past week. You know, Arizona and Atlanta, they had to, well, they could have conceivably played for a tie. Atlanta winning 20 to 19. Those two teams had nothing to play for. Somebody won that game, somebody lost. So. Uh, and that's a case where Atlanta, by losing, by letting Arizona win, may could have helped Arizona jump them in terms of a uh, a higher pick. But you know, again, pros play to win games. Pros play to compete. They don't want to be embarrassed out there, and and that's what Ron is trying to avoid this week. And the players are trying to avoid that. They don't want to. They don't want to be embarrassed. They don't want to be embarrassed on 
a 425 window game against the Dallas Cowboys. Because guess what? Every time you play the Dallas Cowboys, yeah. Chris, there's a lot of eyeballs on the game. The problem is they've already been embarrassed. <clears throat> yeah, last week embarrassed them. Yeah, they don't. Uh, to your point, they do. They do not want to lose thirty-seven nothing in front of forty-five thousand Cowboys fans. I do get that. I do. That's why I say, listen, if I was in charge, which I'm clearly not, you want to call it tanking, whatever. I, I would not play to win this game because it actually hurts you to win this game. It does. But I also understand. The competitive pride. I also understand not wanting to be humiliated. I also I, I do understand all that. Like, I know I'm hardcore about this once you're eliminated thing. Don't play to win. Because it hurts you. It does not help you in any way, shape, or form. It doesn't help build a better locker room. And better locker rooms don't guarantee wins. They don't equal... Like, fa- fans buy into this nonsense of, hey, like if everybody loves each other and sings Kumbaya in the locker room, they're going to win more games. No, you're not. No, you're not. I mean, because this locker room was as close, according to people inside of it, as A lot of harmony, and it went 0-3-1. And they crapped their pants. They went up the Hershey Highway. I mean, period. Whoa. That's what they did. That's aggressive. All right, here, here, here's the last two things I want to say, and then we'll go right back to the phone calls. Maybe one, this is Ron's way of saying, Taylor, look, you think you're better than we think you are. Maybe you don't say this this way. Go out and prove it against a really good defense who's playing for a lot of things. Go out and prove it. Mm-hmm. He didn't do enough in the first half of the San Francisco game for you? He he did, but he then. Yeah, I know. He, he played sixty minutes. Right. It's not a thirty-minute game. It's not a. As I tell you all well, the time, it's his fault though that it got away from them in the second half. Well, it's not his fault that Bosa. It's not. It's not his fault that Bosa's putting his Rydell right in his ribs. Well, maybe, maybe Ron and Scott th- thought it was his fault and that he didn't see something elsewhere that he should have seen. Fair enough. I, I mean, you know, again, these are the things we don't know. The other part is, could this be like a tribute and a thanks? The fans were chanting your name from. From Jump Street last week, give you one last chance to come out of the tunnel. We're going to introduce the offense. You'll be last. This might be your last game here. You're certainly a free agent. We don't think this is a long-term marriage. A little thanks, a little pop. An opportunity, to again, against a good Dallas defense in a desperate or in a must-win situation or in a win situation to show how good you are for the rest of the league. Maybe you can make yourself some money. That's That could be part of this. The other part of this that I don't quite understand is if the reasoning that Sam Howell is not starting is because he's not ready, as Logan asserts, why is he ready then to play some snaps? Like, is there a difference between who starts and 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 who plays in the fourth I mean, quarter? One Maybe you're, but... you're sending mixed messages because yes. one minute you're telling us we're playing our best quarterback we have available because we want to win the game, right. and the next minute you're saying, "Well, we're going to put the other guy in just right. to see what he does." Right. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're, right. We're starting the best guy to try and win, but then we're going to throw this guy maybe to the wolves, maybe to see what he has, and and as we know. A one-series and maybe a one-series-plus look snapshot is all Ron needs to know Mm -hmm. because that's what he used as justification for Carson Wentz. Yeah. So he said, wow. 
college situation. Hey, Sam, go earn your letter right here. We're going to put you in a game so you can earn your letter for the season. Yeah, and if <laughs> Sam goes out there and it's 31 to nothing, what the hell are we doing? Right. Nobody should care about anything at that point. What do you have to lose at, that, at point? that point? Well, what do you have to lose? You've already lost, but I'm saying if he – all right, say he comes in, they're down 28 nothing, and Pete, he leads a touchdown drop. What does it matter? What does it matter? I mean, okay. I mean, does that tell you that he's your quarter? Does he tell – it tells you, I guess, the only thing that we can now find out about Sam Howell is that he will for sure – not that he should be. He for sure will not be the clear number one guy going into camp. Next year. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing we now know. There was a chance, a small chance, if he would have started and if he would have played well, that this team, this organization could justify letting Wentz go, letting Heineke go, building the rest of the roster, and saying Howell along with a fill-in-the-blank, whether it be a dude we draft and really go young like they tried to in 2012 – or Howell and a cheap veteran who's just around, you know, a Mike White type, you know, who's around to kind of like, you know, Mitch Trubisky. Okay. Got a two-year deal, so he's probably staying in Pittsburgh as the backup to pick maybe. it. But yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe he gets released. I don't know. Mason but Rudolph. What, you know, I mean, you see where I'm getting Got to believe Mason Rudolph will be out on the open market because well, I'm, may- I'm pretty sure. But maybe sure. it's Trubisky instead I mean, it could, of Rudolph. Could be. I mean, uh, but you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah, like problem he, is you don't want you don't want Sam Howell to look like Thurston Howell, okay? You know, I, I would I would be content if he if he looked like my guy Army Reservist Brian Howell. At least at least I know the guy's competing. What about if he looks like Brian Powell? Uh, Brian Powell, wow, that's a good one. Um, Brian Powell knows everything, so mentally that would mean Sam Howell uh-huh. would be a football genius. What if he looks like Simon Cowell? Ooh, Simon Cow. Simon Cow, uh, rich, has a lot of money, mm-hmm. um, great hair, and has an um, incredible accent. I love listening to him. Sexy accent. I love listening to you him. You get excited? Even though, he, even though he looks like he's doing every show wearing a Fruit of the Loom white T-shirt. Love me some Simon Cow. Let's go to line three. Lou's up next in D.C. What's up, Lou? Hey, Pete. Pete, happy birthday, man. Thanks, What's buddy. Appreciate you. Rooster, what's happening, man? What's hey, up, sweet Speaking Lou? of Samuel, good man. Uh, speaking of Samuel, what is it, Sam? What's his name? What's the guy name from uh, American Idol? Simon, Simon Cowell. Cowell. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, <clears throat> speaking of him, Mitch Trubisky is bloody awful. That's what I think of Mitch Trubisky because he's the same guy. I'd rather keep Heineke. Why we keep throwing this guy name out there like he's 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 better than Heineke? So I think. Mitch Trubisky, he's trash, and I don't even want him anywhere uh, near here. But as far as what this Sunday goes, I think it's only right they, you know, they put in Sam Howell. But you know, these coaching staff, you know, we don't trust what what they do, man. But you know, like 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 you guys been talking about it, you know, we need, you know, we don't need this game. So you know, I know it's Dallas, but come on, man, it hasn't been a rivalry with Dallas for. This Joe Gibbs left, so you know it is what it is, and you know I just want us to, I just want to see Sam Howell just, just go out there and and let the guy play. You know I know you know he, the Dallas gonna bring it in because they need the game. So this this the type of game you want to see how good he is. You know I respect what Logan's saying, but at the end of the day, you cannot be t- you you can't say that he's not ready when the quarterback coach he's like he's out there like you know he want him to be out there, but at the same time. 
you know, the head, the head, the head coach don't want him out there because I, I, I don't know what I, I don't know what the situation is, but I don't know why they don't want him to play. I mean, we've seen a lot of rookie quarterback going in there playing, so I, I'm confused. But you know, this is nothing new with this organization, so. It is what it is, man. I, y'all have a blessed day. Thanks for taking Lou, Thank call. you. Appreciate it. I mean, look, uh, the fear is, you know, for, for as good as Brock Purdy looks, you know, Sam Howell could look like Zach Wilson. I mean, that's very possible. Um, you know, and that's what you're trying to avoid. You're hoping you don't have that uh, at, at your quarterback position. And Zach Wilson has every, you know, more reason to play as he has given a second chance this year, and it didn't get any better. Or Malik Willis, right? Malik Willis, another first-year player that, you know, Malik Willis in Under Armour gear can throw the football a long way. Looks impressive. Looks the part. Big difference when you got guys trying to knock your block off uh, on a pass rush, and that clock is ticking. Okay? And the great great thing about the NFL is that clock is different every play. Sometimes you got five or six seconds. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you got two and a half. Okay, and you got to make bang bang decisions uh, all the time. It's going to line four. Phil's in DC. What's up, Phil? Hey, what's going on, fellas? Hey, How Phil. Doing, How are you? I'm good. Um, I don't understand when they say he's not ready. Why don't we just simplify the playbook, like how the Giants did with um, Daniel Jones? They use his mobility and they use his arm just to. It, it was a shot downfield, and somehow showed showed his ability as far as running. And throwing, and, I, and you don't have to uh, make it that complicated. Put him in an RPO, a play action type offense, and just and just let, let's see what he has. The well, RPO. Well, again, but, but let let me just jump in and just counter I, again. When they say he's not ready, and when Logan says he sees he's not ready, okay, you don't have to agree with that. But that's not just about play calling and and calling plays that he's comfortable with. That's that to me, that's code for this dude ain't seeing what we need him to see. That that's what it is. That's what it is. Okay. That th- at least in my opinion, and based on the knowledge that I have from dealing with coaches and like that. That's it's not like hey, he can't remember all the verbiage for four hundred plays. Let's give him twenty plays that he can, or wristband, or what have you. It's he can't do all of that. And process everything that he needs to process so that he doesn't get lit up like a Christmas tree. And so that we can actually run a functional offense. So I, I, that's what it's got to be. Even though we saw something different in the preseason, remember, in the preseason, they're not really game planning. And they're playing against guys that are bagging groceries. Yeah, I mean, they're just running a shell of what they normally do. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of simplified. Uh, in a sense, but I mean, again, Logan Paulson is a guy I take it his word. I mean, Logan is. I've had so many conversations with Logan over the last couple of years that you know you trust what he's telling you. His breakdowns are fabulous. Logan underscore Paulson eighty two on Instagram. You know, you go back and look at all of his film breakdowns, um, and and they're they're terrific. So uh, you trust what the guy's telling you in a situation like that. And and you know what? Quite frankly, Phil, appreciate the call. I. I'm okay with that if I'm Sam Howe. I don't want to go out there and look bad. That's the last thing I want to do because now everybody, at least now, there's this morsel of, hey, we know we got a young quarterback that we drafted in the fifth round that we know is there. Okay, The fans know he's there. They don't know whether he's good or bad because if he he goes out there and looks like a lemon, 
then then they're going to sour on him too. I guarantee it. They would definitely sour on him. Let, let me ask you just one la- last quick one. And um, Justin and Richmond just brought this up. I think it's a fair point. How much of this, beyond Ron stupidly trying to win this game, mm-hmm. how much of this is, hey, you know what, guys? I screwed up last week. I'm going to make it right by giving the guy you wanted to keep starting and playing for another opportunity, maybe a final opportunity to get the appreciation of not only the fan base of maybe the rest of the NFL, well, okay. but 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 I'm going to I'm going to show you that a I made the wrong decision and I'm man enough to admit that I made the wrong decision by doing this. Look, he's coached enough games with them now um, that if if the and the players I'm sure have gone to him in some way, shape, or form on this. Guys have publicly spoken out for Heineke. I mean, Ron knew where they were at. Ron knew he was taking a significant chance on losing um, some respect in the locker room with some guys making that decision. And, you know, as we hit the trending, uh, you know, Ben Conti's question is the one we talked about briefly yesterday because RG3 brought it up. Can you bring Heineke back here knowing that any quarterback going forward, whether it's Howell or another veteran you bring in here to anoint the starter, if it's a car, somebody like that, that they're constantly going to have to win that battle with the fans over Taylor Heineke? And is that a distraction to that quarterback going forward if four is still here on the sidelines, yes, waiting to go into the football game, yes. For Heineke is Heineke is a distraction. Is there any? Backup? I don't know if he's a huge Think distraction to Howell right now because again, Howell has a people that believe in him and want to see mm-hmm. him succeed because he's like the little engine that could yeah, and, sure. you know the all that stuff guy, but he know. is a distract he he was a distraction to Carson Wentz even though they had a good relationship he would be a distraction to Derek Carr to uh to Daniel Jones to Geno Smith to whoever else they could bring in here he Think would be about an absolute this during the break for those of you out there that either are on hold or haven't been able to get in because all the lines are lit. We, we, if you get a busy signal, it's not because you got a phone issue. All the lines are lit. Is there any other backup quarterback in the league that seems to pose the type of distraction that a Taylor Heineke would be to another quarterback that you bring in here? I'm not sure if that's really the right way to ask the question because I don't think that's fair. That kind of paints it in a negative light. And I, I'm not trying to do that. But is there a more popular backup quarterback in the National Football League than Taylor Heineke? I think that's a legitimate question. 301-230-0980. Russell's got to look at what's trending. All right, so as we've been talking about Jeremy Fowler of ESPN saying that Taylor Heineke is expected to be the starting quarterback for the Washington Commanders in this Sunday's meaningless regular season finale for them as they've been already eliminated from the playoffs. However, the Dallas Cowboys, the opponent at 425 on Sunday afternoon at FedEx Field, they are still playing for the one seed, the NFC East, so certainly not meaningless for them as a result 
again, and maybe for all the reasons we've been discussing, Ron Rivera expected to start Taylor Haneke with Sam Howell expected to play some, and Carson Wentz expected to not be in uniform, in other words, inactive. Good news still. Signs of progress for Buffalo Bills safety DeMar Hamlin, who, of course, is still in ICU in Cincinnati, still sedated. But doctors, according to ESPN and Hamlin's uncle, saw some positive readings uh, for Hamlin in terms of his oxygen level. Still a little worried about long-term effect, lung issues, uh, and all of that. But he does appear to be making Progress. The Capitals lose in overtime last night to Tage Thompson and the high-flying Buffalo Sabres, but still get a point. Wizards have their winning streak snapped thanks to Giannis's 55, and that's what's trending. All right, plenty of calls to get through between now and noon right here on the Team 980. Jeremy Fowler reporting Taylor Heineke to get the start. How likely to get some snaps. Great. You don't really play the other quarterback in a game. So if you're willing to play Hal some snaps, why not just let him play the entire game? I mean, if I'm Taylor Heineke at this point, I may have a chance to cash in and get the biggest contract in my life at the end of this season, why, why would I want to play? Protect myself. I don't want to get hit by Micah Parsons. I don't want to get Demarcus Lawrence's knee in my nads. No way. No way. Don't want that. Let's go to line six. What's up, Justin in Richmond? How you doing? Hey, guys. Um, this was Justin in Richmond. Right, that, you- yeah, I think uh, you, you, we just mentioned your tweet, right? Uh, same Justin in Richmond, I assume? No? Yeah, yeah, that's, okay. that's, 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 okay. that's actually me. <laughs> cool. All right. <laughs> I'm going to try not to rehash too much no, of the Twitter okay. stuff because yeah. I'm kind of – yeah, okay, thanks. Because I'm trying to focus, like, on the off season now at this point. And even though I do want Howell to start, um, I understand why, like I said in my tweet, they have to start Heineke for political reasons. But I also think that pinching Heineke, Heineke last week is going to lead to him leaving. My guess is he ends up at Tennessee – um, which kind of brings up another interesting point to me because we had loud voices here calling for Malik Willis last year, last draft. Glad that didn't happen. Same voices calling for Derek Carr. That would be a mistake. He's owed $34.9 million next year at cap hit. No chance he's going to resign. Well, he might resign a little bit, something more team-friendly. But then if you do that, how are you going to get an early start on, on Cameron Curl? How are you going to get an early start on St. Juice? And how are you going to keep your um, DT gum uh, tandem together? So they really should be focusing on that. I, of course, we hope how it works out. I think I can't remember which show it was yesterday, but it, you know, it's a point that we all know: rookie quarterbacks that can win, save you a bunch of money on that rookie contract. And if you want to keep that defense together, which is the soul of this team, and without it, the team will go nowhere. It won't matter. Plus, it doesn't matter what QB we sign if the offensive line doesn't get addressed first. If he can't stay upright, he can't get the ball downfield. That's all I got, guys. Thank you, Justin. Justin appreciate, appreciate you. you. Uh, let's go to Jax down in Calvert County, one of my favorite places on planet Earth. What's up, Jax? Hey, guys. Happy hey, New Year and happy birthday, Pete. Thank you. Appreciate it. Um, but, hey, y'all pretty much covered everything, especially the last caller. I want to focus on um, since the game don't mean nothing other than where we um, draft, where our draft pick is going to be. That's the reason why I want to lose this game. But I, 
But the question that I have is, is part of the reason why they're not starting on um, Wentz is so they won't be on the hook for him if he gets hurt? And and the same reason for Taylor, I wouldn't want to play if I was him either because I don't want to get hurt and miss out on, on another contract. Uh, thanks, guys. You guys have a good one. Uh, appreciate it, Jackson. Thanks, I mean, Jax. look, I, I think those are a couple of interesting scenarios. I mean, look, they dodged the bullet on the second-round pick on Wentz already by not playing him 70% of the snaps. Um Look, if he has a great year, and <laughs> could you're you sitting- imagine how much of a t- more of a disaster? Oh, this would 100%. one hundred percent. If he didn't get hurt, he just sucked. But yet, he still played the seventy yeah. percent. Yeah, I mean, if you're sitting there, oh if you're sitting there at seven, <sighs> you know, eight, seven, nine, and one at the end of the year, and he played all seventeen, and that's what your record was, and the same scenario would have developed. Say he'd have played all the games, and you're seven and five. And you're in line to go to the playoffs, and all of a sudden you have that collapse. That would have been the ultimate disaster scenario. At least now you keep your two, but you lose a three. So it's still a second-day pick that a guy that could be a potential starter uh, for you that you lose in that situation. But it also puts a lot of pressure on whether it's Ron or a new regime coming in here. You got cavities to fill, and you don't have as many fillings available to you in the offseason to fill those needs. And that's, that's again, going to put pressure on Ron and uh, the people, uh, whoever comes in here, whether it's a new regime or not, to find the answers uh, that you need in free agency. QB won that decision, plus you got to get a middle linebacker. You have to get a middle linebacker in some way, shape, or form this offseason. Ron, Ron was singing the praises of, of not only Jamin but Cole Holcomb the other day, saying we, we pretty much think we have that situation settled another problem not only can Cole Holcomb not stay on the field and it's not just this year he's had trouble staying on the field earlier in his career he's a free agent yeah how much do you pay a guy like that I mean somebody somebody would have to somebody would be paying somebody would be paying him more I bet Somebody else will pay, uh, but I, I look for like, sure. Like Heineke, I mean, though, I like one I keep year, asking two million dollars. We gotta say, hit the break, but like I ask you, what's the mark? What's the, what's the real market for Heineke out there here in this offseason? Everybody thinks all these teams are gonna get in the bidding war for Taylor Heineke, right? Really? Will they? I, I don't know if that's gonna be as deep. There will be suitors. Uh, don't get me wrong. There right. will be suitors for his services, but what kind of bidding war they actually get into? I mean, I don't know where that's gonna go. I don't think he's heading in that eighteen to twenty million dollar range per year. That's for sure. Three zero one two three zero zero nine eighty. One more hour to go on a Wednesday edition of Russell and Medhurst, right here on the Team Nine Eighty, streaming live for free on the Odyssey app.